Welcome back to In the Word with Mel Bennett, a study of scripture passages from the Word of God. This is episode number 34, and my name is Steve Webb, and thank you for being with us today. It's great to be back with you, and I'm so thankful that our beloved Pastor Bennett is back behind the microphone. For today's episode, Pastor Bennett is in chapter 7 of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 13, and he's reading from the New International Version, 1973 edition. He'll be discussing the idea of God's timing or man's. So, if you have your Bible with you, let's read along with our pastor. Welcome back, Pastor. It's so good to hear your voice again. The mic is yours. Thank you, Steve. And once again, we're delighted to have many of you, our listeners, back with us on this podcast. Before I begin our study of the Word of God, let me quickly say that there has been a brief but length of period of time in which um, we've had to dropped the podcast for a while because of some physical conditions. And I'd very much appreciate your prayers that God would, in His time, work everything out. We've had some problems with some shoulder surgery, which we are anticipating having, and uh, it's just been put off and put off, and we're getting a little bit frustrated with that. Uh, that's one of the reasons where I, why I dropped the podcast for a while because I thought I would be going in for surgery right away and instead it's gone on and on. Anyway, between that and the restless leg syndrome that I've had for some time but which has gotten worse and keeps me awake much of the night is a problem and so I'd appreciate your prayers uh, concerning these matters as we go on. We'll try to do at least a podcast a week maybe a couple weeks between some of them, but we'll do our best. Okay? If you'll put up with us for the next few weeks, we'll do the best we can, okay? John 7th chapter, verses 1 through 13 is what we want to look at today. John 7, 1 through 13, God's timing or man's. We read these words, After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting for it to take his life. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea, so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told him, The right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I'm not going yet up to this feast, because for me, the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, where is that man? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. 
but no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. The Feast of Tabernacles was held at the end of September or the beginning of October each year. Every male who lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem was required by law to attend. Now Jesus' brothers urged him to leave Galilee and attend the ceremonies in Jerusalem. Jesus rejected their argument and would not go, but would go in his own time. Look again at verse number 8, for this will answer much of the controversy that has come from this verse in the next few verses. In verse number 8 he says, You go to the feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, because for me the right time has not yet come. Many thought Jesus was lying to his brothers when he said this, but a study of the words will show there is a difference. Jesus often spoke of the time or the hour of God concerning his life, but in this passage he uses a totally different word. Normally he used the Greek word which means the destined time of God for some event to happen. This means the event was not movable, not avoidable, and without argument, because it was the time which God had planned. But in this passage of Scripture, Jesus uses a completely different word. It means an opportunity, or it means the best time, the most suitable opportunity, the best opportunity for something to happen, when something must be grasped, lest it never return. What Jesus is saying here is not that the destined hour of God has come. He is saying that that moment, which would give him the greatest chance for which he was waiting, would need to come. This explains why Jesus would later go to Jerusalem. Many people have been troubled by the verses where a simple study of the meaning of the words would have cleared it up and brought clearer meaning to the passage. From the passage, there are several things that we can learn, two in particular. Number one, we cannot force Jesus' hand. His brothers tried to force him to go to Jerusalem. It was, in effect, what we would have called a dare. In a way, they were quite right from a human point of view. A study will show that Jesus' miracles, great miracles, to this point had been performed in Galilee and it was thought that the Galileans would believe quicker than the people of Jerusalem. The only Jerusalem miracle had been the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. It was not unusual to encourage Jesus to go to Jerusalem and let his supporters see what he could do. If Jesus were ever to succeed at winning men, he could not have done it by hiding in a corner. He must act in such a way that everyone could see what he did. Further, Jerusalem was a key point at that time. It would not be difficult to raise a group of people that from the hot-headed Galileans, it was thought, but Jerusalem was something else. Jerusalem would be the acid test. Jesus could have made a good case for their ideas. However, Jesus does things not in man's time, but in God's time. The impatience of man must learn to wait on the wisdom of God. This is a key issue in all of our lives, learning to wait on God. I listened this morning, uh, a Sunday, the 7th or 
the 8th of August to a message by Charles Stanley on waiting on God. And it's difficult sometimes for us to wait on the Lord. I know I've been waiting on God for the sale of a home in California and waiting on God for a purchase of a home here in, in Virginia. And nothing has happened. Nothing has opened up seemingly until just recently. We thank God that there has come a, an opportunity for sale of our home in California. But nevertheless, we must wait upon the Lord. And waiting on His time is not always our time. Secondly, it is impossible to treat Jesus with indifference. It made no difference when his brothers went to Jerusalem. No one would notice that they had arrived. Ah, but with Jesus, it is much, much different. He enters with a disturbing dynamic power. His very presence is a condemnation of our way of life. His coming is a challenge to our selfishness and our lethargy. Jesus had to choose his moment for arrival. For when he comes, something is going to happen. It matters not when he comes, but when he does come, you'd better move because something is going to happen. After Jesus had gone to Jerusalem, we have the reaction of the people when confronted with him. And I want to talk about that for a few moments now. Now, one of the supreme interests in this passage of Scripture is the different reaction to the coming of Jesus. Notice the reaction of his brothers. When they asked him to go, they were, in truth, offering him a dare. They were egging him on as you would egg on a foolish boy. We still meet attitude of contempt for religion today. We'll put up with it, people say, but it's foolishness. It's ridiculous to believe what they believe. But there are still people who tolerate religion and do not realize it is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. And we need to grasp that and get a hold of it and realize it so that our reaction is not one of indifference to Jesus. The reaction of open hatred took place secondly. This reaction consisted of two groups of people. The first was the Pharisees. These were the extremely religious people of the day. They had many rules they believed you should follow and you should guide your life. The fact was that they loved their rules more than they loved God. They hated Jesus Christ because he didn't live by their rules. And since he didn't live by their rules, he had to be wrong. And the second group who hated Jesus were the Sadducees. This was the political party of that day. Much of the priesthood of that time made up the Sadducees. Now, they collaborated with the Romans and had sweet deals with the Romans. And as a result, lived in great luxury. They did not get along with the Pharisees at all. And in fact, they hated them. Now, they hated Jesus because he would upset their way of life, their way of living. They loved their power and lifestyle more than they loved God. Think of that. They loved their power and their lifestyle more than they loved God. Though they hated the Pharisees, they hated Jesus more. As a result, they joined forces with the Pharisees against Jesus. There are many people today who reject and hate Jesus because to follow him 
would mean giving up something that they love more than they love God. Whether it's a set of rules or things, how tragic it is that we live in a world today where men and women in this country, who we believed at one time was a godly country, a Christian nation, have rejected Christ and all that he stands for because they love their way of life more than they love God. Both of the above reactions issued in a consuming desire to eliminate Jesus. Think of this for a moment. When a man's ideals clash with Christ's ideals, he must fight Christ and seek to destroy him. A man can either do what he likes or do what Christ likes. If a man wishes to go on doing what he likes, there is nothing left for him to do but seek to eliminate Jesus. He must because Jesus will eventually become a condemnation to everything that he stands for. And so he will either hate Christ and love his own self, or he will love Christ. There was also the arrogant contempt for Jesus. These were the people who said, What right has this untrained theologian to lay down the law? Jesus had no cultural background, no training in the rabbinical books or colleges, schools, or places of higher learning. Had he even learned to read? They did not know. Surely no intelligent person will listen to him. This is the reaction that we can find in our world today. It is a reaction of arrogant academic snobbery. We must be careful that we never usher out a person and can assign him to the company who do not matter because he does not have a formal education. Now listen to me. I want you to know, everyone, I'm all for education. Don't someone say, Pastor Bennett got on the podcast and said that we should not have education. I believe strongly in education, but I believe you should never cut somebody out because of their education. There is teaching that God does that is far superior by the Spirit of God than anything that man can put up or man can do. Also, there was the reaction of the crowd. In this group, there was a twofold reaction. The first was the reaction of the interested. There is no way that you can have a confrontation with Jesus and be indifferent. You just can't do it. As long as Jesus is in nothing more than a figure in a book, indifference is possible. But when Jesus comes alive in a man's life, then indifference is impossible. For Jesus is the most interesting person who ever lived and demands a reaction for or against him. Secondly, there is the reaction of a discussion. They talked and argued about and gave their opinions about Jesus. They debated about him and there is value and there is danger in each of these. The value is that it is good to clarify our opinion by pitting it against another's. The mind sharpens the mind just as iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. Now the danger is that a religion can become very easy, nothing more than a matter of argument and discussion, a series of questions about which a person may talk and talk for a lifetime and never do anything about it. 
There is all the difference in the world between a person who argues for the sake of argument and truly serious persons who want to know Christ better and who is pitting his argument so that he can prove the living Christ in his life. There is nothing wrong with having a discussion about Christ as long as it draws you closer to him. There is a course we used to sing, More of You. I believe the words say much of what I've said in this podcast. The song goes similar to this. More of you, more of you. I've had all, but what I need is just more of you. Of things I've had my fill, and yet I hunger still. Empty and bare, Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. Recently, I found a verse that goes along with it. It says, I'm not trying to find just some new frame of mind that will change my old point of view. For I've been through it all. Deep inside, nothing's changed. I'm not new. I'm not seeking a gift or emotional lift, but one thing I'm longing to do is to lift up my cup and let you fill it up with just you. More of you. More of you. I've had all, but what I need is just more of you. Of things I've had my fill, and yet I hunger still, empty and bare. Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. You may say that you don't have enough of Jesus in your life, but you do. We have all of Jesus that there is to have. When he gave himself to us, he gave all. But we do have a desire for a zeal for more of God in our lives, more production of his life in me so that I can become more and more like him. Let's pray that God will make the truths of these verses of Scripture real to our hearts. We never want to become caught up in the division of action that uh, some people get caught up into and uh, lose interest in Jesus and he become nothing more than a figure in a book. Oh, God, help us that he become a living reality in each of our hearts and each of our lives. God, richly bless you. Let us pray. Our Father, it is our prayer today that we find more of Christ produced in our life every day. Oh, help us to be disciples of Jesus who follow after him and follow his work and his will and his way. Help us, Lord, that we not fall into any of the false kind of reactions that we found in these scripture verses to Jesus, but rather, Lord, that we desire to follow him with a whole heart, our whole mind, and our whole being. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God richly bless you and bless this broadcast today. Yes, more of Jesus. That's what I want. How about you? Help us, Lord, to desire Jesus as a thirsty doe thirsts for water. Thank you, Pastor Bennett, for bringing us once more a look at Scripture that encourages us to meet the real and living Messiah. Beloved listener, I know for a fact that Pastor Bennett would love to hear from you. You can email him at pastorb at lifespringmedia.com. Take a moment and drop him a line. I hope you'll join us next time. The best way to get all of Pastor Bennett's podcasts is to subscribe. Of course, it's free. And all you have to do is, if you have a podcast app, just search in your app for In the Word with Mel Bennett, or you can subscribe at subscribe.lifespringmedia.com. There's even a way there for you to receive an email whenever a new episode is published. 
Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.